Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. of the Republic of Spoilerverse. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That, that is finally Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's Eisner award-winning Chuck Brown, isn't it? And Ringo award-winning Chuck Brown. He's won both. And Ringo award-winning. That's awesome. Yeah, and man. When you say Ringo, I, just, a- I still, I think a Ringo star. Right. No, no, this is Mark Ringo. The, it's a uh, Mike, Mike. I, I, I think it's Mike. I, I can never pronounce the dude's last name. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's like. You're going to get uh, so called out on this. What's that? I said, you're going to get so called out on this. <laughs> I know. Well, it's Ringo Awards. It's Mike. It's W E. Sorry. W I E R I N G O. Waringo. Ringo. Waringo. I always like I don't pronounce his name, but it's it's named after him, right? It's the Ringo yeah. Award named after him, but I can't yeah. pronounce the W I E R I N G O. Is it Waringo? I don't know. That sounds whatever. Right. He, Chuck Brown won it, and he also won an Eisner uh, for his right. book Bitter Root, and uh, he, you know, he worked on Punisher and, and whatever. Panther, and he's worked on a bunch of stuff. <laughs> You're so aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I am. I don't know why. I'm not aggressive. I'm a nice guy. Uh. How, um, well, you know what, instead of going into a whole thing that has nothing to do with what we're getting into, how about we sit back, relax, and enjoy Chuck Brown in his own words. This is Spoiler Country, and I'm Melissa Sercha. Today on the show, I'm excited to welcome Eisner and Ringo Award-winning writer Chuck Brown. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm very, very sleepy, so but I'm here <laughs> and um, I'm making it. Oh, good. Good. Are you uh, West Coast, East Coast right now? I'm on the East Coast, actually, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, it's, it's been an exhausting couple of days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been kind of glued to my to my computer and, and phone for the last few days and also trying to get this Kickstarter going. So a lot, yeah. going, a lot going on right now. Okay, well, I'm, thank you for taking the time to come on. Oh, no problem. All right, well, let's get right into it. I really want to talk about Bitter Root first. Mm-hmm. Uh, won the Eisner Award for Best Ongoing Sphere- Series. What inspired the creation of this series and what did winning that award mean to you? Oh wow! Um, 
really, I've been wanting to do something with this family for a very long time. It's kind of a combination of a bunch of genres that I, I really love, which is, you know, sci-fi and, and, and monsters and historical fiction and steampunk and magic. So it's just one of those ideas that's kind of was in my archives for a long time. And I've just been you know, developing it here and there. And I really just want to create something empowering that showed us in mm-hmm. such a powerful, special light. And I think the Sangari family kind of really fit that bill when I was kind of brainstorming everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting the eyes on it just feels very unreal, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. Still, still, you know, still trying to wrap my head around it. You know, it's a little surreal, but I'm um, very, yeah. very, very honored and very thankful. And I can't speak for my bitter root brothers, but you know, um, it's just you know, it's really mind-boggling. You know, nice. that, well, yeah. Congratulations! That's a huge, huge honor. Thank you. Yeah. So the series takes place during the Harlem Renaissance, Jazz Age. Why was this time period specifically so essential to the story? Um, I wanted to do something where definitely was a, a period piece where I was thinking about barber surgeons at the time where, you know, barber surgeons, mm-hmm. they, did, they didn't just cut hair. They, you know, they pulled teeth and set bones. And I just kind of had this vision of, you know, this, 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 this area of this, of this, of this haberdashery where, there was this, you know, these, these all these relics and, and odd things around that we could hide a secret life of a family like this. And, you know, racial inequalities, you know, ex- exist today and mm-hmm. the past. But, you know, in the 1920s and 1919, a lot of a lot of horrific things happened. So, you know, as I was studying the Harlem Renaissance, you know, I really, you know, I was I wanted to kind of focus on that in the story. And of course, the racism side would be more about the villain and what he's went through and how he wants to use this these supernatural forces to basically be or basically take our people to another level in the 1920s, basically more like early Malcolm X. But 1920, just a lot of horrific things happened as I was researching the Hall of Renaissance, which is a time period. I was very fascinated with, and it's kind of just all came together. You know, I'm trying to research the music and, you know, the origins of the poets and things, but seeing all this horrific acts that happened in that time, and it just kind of kept seeping into the story, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. Interesting. Well, and I know it, it does, Bitterroot addresses hate and racism without any illusions, you know, of what it truly is. And this is very relevant today, just as much as it was back then. Were there were those parallels drawn intentionally, or did that sort of organically come about as you're researching? It's just it's just kind of organically. Even before I did the research, you know, into the Harlem Renaissance and the things that went on, you know, the that was kind of the main driving force behind the villain, racial inequality and just hate and and hate crimes. I love a I love a villain that has it's a villain for a purpose, you know. Doctor Sylvester, Doctor Sylvester, you know his I guess his. His, I guess, his origins and his and his and his and his, his intentions are good, but the way he wants to go about it can be pretty horrific, you know. So that's kind of where it really all started with Doctor Sylvester, and then bringing David on board. He was, you know, David was like, you know, what if we made all the monsters motivated by hate? You know, what if these monsters are hating have hate as well? And that just blew my mind, and we just kind of kept rolling with that, and just kept spinning this yarn, and you know, here here we are today. Yeah. Well, and it is an allegory for the monsters that Mm. plague our society now. Do you think that this series will help facilitate uh, a more open discussion on racism in America? Oh, absolutely. And sitting at cons, you know, me and David had a discussion as well in Sanford as well. People will come up to us 
And they'll, you know, they love the story, the bitter root, and they love the characters, but they also will be like, you know, I've never heard of Red Summer. I've never heard mm-hmm. of the race massacre. I've never heard of this and that. And, you know, it's, you know, you have a compelling story with great characters and wonderful artwork, but also there are these teachable moments within the book. And I think, I think, it, I think it has definitely made a difference. I think it has touched a lot of people. I think it inspired a lot of African-American writers and, and artists mm-hmm. um, to basically, you know, to put more stuff out there and put out what you love. And I hope, I hope maybe it changed a few, you know, hearts and minds. That would be nice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And well, yeah, that's what it's going to what it's going to take, you know, is, is getting it more out there, mm-hmm. you know, because accurate representation in comics is essential and necessary, not just in the characters, I think, and the stories, but also, like you were saying, the creators themselves, not just having white creators, you know, create characters of color. You need to have writers of color as well telling their stories. So are you hopeful that the industry will continue to kind of become more inclusive as we get on? Um, hopeful. I mean, yes, I, I, I hope, I hope the industry would, you know, there's, there's definitely a surge in, you know, the black, the black lives matter movement and people really want to, you know, make a difference and, 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 you know, have more representation in comics, like you said, in the pages and, and on staff, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a pessimist, you know, I hope mm-hmm. that, it, that it didn't move forward and I hope people just aren't like on the bandwagon, you know, right? for, for now, you know, following the hashtag and don't forget about this in five years or so or two years from now or after the election, you know, so I hope, yeah. um, I hope there are more people of color and women that are in comics, but, you know, it also goes back to just systemic racism in general, you know, like myself and a lot of us were just, you know, we, we started, you know, a few steps behind the starting line. So, you know, it's hard trying to catch up, you know, just trying to get into just regular jobs and, you know, and, and regular homes and, you know, and, and living, living any other, any, living any kind of dreams, let alone comics, you know, so. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just, it's beyond just getting a seat at the table, it's getting into the room, you know? Right, right. I mean, I mean, I guess the more traction I get, you know, I try to lift up, you know, people whenever I can, or, or like I said, put those characters out there that look like, that look like us to inspire, you know, young, mm-hmm. young creators. Yeah. And not only, I mean, do you examine race in your series, but you do touch on women's rights as well. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that those two issues go hand in hand or have an impact on the other? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, that Blink, which is one of the, you know, the main characters in On the Stump, you know, it's a, it's a black woman in the 1920s, you know, and we couldn't go without kind of addressing that, you know, in, in a way as we went throughout the book, you know, because there's like, you know, Shirley Chisholm, you know, she ran mm-hmm. for president, I was in the 70s, in the 70s, and, you know, her own party turned against her, you know, the as far as, you know, and is concerned. So, is there's so many different levels to that, you know, women's rights and racism. Like you said, it's all intertwined and it's, it's all about elevating minds, just letting us aware of our own biases, you know, black men, mm-hmm. you know, just letting us make opening our eyes to it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're, um, when you're creating these characters uh, and you, I know you, you've said you do a lot of historical research as well, but some of it's, you know, sci-fi and fantasy. What comes first for you? Do you kind of come up with these characters first or is it the the setting and the time period that comes first? It's a great big gumbo, to be honest with you. I just kind of <laughs> ideas all together. To me, you know, 
driving to the grocery store and, you know, I see something on the side of a road, a piece of garbage that sparks an idea about a world or a time period or a character or some kind of social injustice going on in the world and that can spark it, you know, it all mm-hmm. goes on the day, you know, what's going on. A lot of my stuff is, a lot of my stuff is motivated by, you know, the things that keep me up at night, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that I worry about, you know, my own issues, you know, you know, so like the, you know, the gay and lesbian community, you know, growing up, you know, you know, as in the black community, that was like not, not tolerated, you know, that was right instilled in us, you know, and, you know, into my early twenties, it was instilled in me, you know, and it's something I had to deal with and really, you know, do some soul searching and, and try to get out of that mindset and that mind, mind, mindset. And that's kind of where my book on the stump, you know, there's, I created my first gay character in that, in that, in that book. And I was very ha- apprehensive about it because I didn't want to misrepresent anyone, but I also wanted to, you know, it wasn't just for the reader, it was also for me dealing with my own my own issues, you know, with it and, and trying to, you know, broaden my mind, you know. Right. Trying to learn and grow and yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 So, well, and, and speaking of on the stump, the, so the promise has to do with the pres- presidential debate that turns violent and then now elections are decided by hand to hand combat in okay. arenas. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. So how, how did you come up with that idea and how much did like real life politics affect that sort of concept? Oh, um, real life politics had a huge, huge impact on it. Politics always frustrated me. You know, I'm no expert by any means, but it's just the political system and the two two sides, how they do their banter and how the people, how the people themselves are the ones that suffer and how we live our lives, put our lives in their hands and, you know, kind of watch from the sidelines. Yeah. And uh, in 2016 or 2015, when Trump yeah. really started running, you know, you, we were like, I was, a, I was guilty of it too. I'm like, you know, every day I'm sitting down like, what did that fool say today? You know, <laughs> yep. on to the news, like what is like entertainment? And that kind of, you know, that kind of, you know, sparked the whole idea of on the stump, honestly, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I've always had the idea for years of just a world where people don't really use guns, where it's just like hand to hand combat, like cutting off in traffic, someone's going to jump out and beat the <laughs> hell out of you. Somebody wins, you you know, give each other a high five, and you go about your business because you, you settle in the streets. But uh, yeah, definitely the 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 rise of um, Trump really kind of provoked, sparked that whole idea of on the stump. Yeah, and I kind of just packed a lot of my frustrations into that story: racial inequality, religion, mm-hmm. issues with religion, and 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 how we're so distracted by the people that are um, up on stage and on the television. You know. Yeah. Well, and it, there is. You know, since you, as you were saying, since Trump uh, came into the picture, you know, a verbal hand to hand combat, if you will, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely not what I remember growing up. You know, to, politics was something that you know we didn't pay attention to mm-hmm. when we were kids, but now it's sort of like that's all we can talk about because it's in our faces. So yeah, it's interesting how you could see how your concept in on the stump could actually be real. You yeah. know, at, at some yeah. point. Right, right, and I didn't, and I intentionally in the story I don't mention Republicans or Democrats in the mm-hmm. story, and I guess the world of on the stump, you know, in the 1800s there was a fight basically between these two politicians, and that fight just kind of spread like wildfire across the country, and people were so fascinated by it that's kind of what came became the norm, right? Yeah. So my my way of thinking was, you know, in 2016, you know, you know this racist homophobic person 
you know, saying these horrible things about people and not really caring about us, you know, what's that going to lead to? What's that going to rise to where, where we, where, where we go from here, you know? Yeah. And I haven't looked at the, the numbers recently, but I think Biden's winning. I don't know what your political. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping Biden wins. <laughs> okay. But basically, you know, it was like, you know, but the past two, three days, we shouldn't have biting our nails. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so close. It's so close with this man. It is, it just boggles my mind. And, it's like, you know, I mean, he, he may be out of office, but, you know, the seed he's planted is there, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the country's always been, I mean, it's always been racist, you know, for mm-hmm. ever. But, you know, it's like, the, it's like you know, the roach is unafraid to crawl out in the light now, you know? It's yeah, like, no, exactly. I've been saying that for a while. Yeah, it's, right, just, right, it's right, very, right. yeah, it was very unfortunate because, I mean, I guess, call it naivete or whatever. I, I definitely thought we were going to, you know, have a landslide. <laughs> yeah, it just boggles my mind, you know, especially with coronavirus was handled. It's just, it just boggles my mind, but yeah, absolutely. You know, it is what it is. You know? I know. Yeah. I think also, cause you know, I'm in California and we 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 have a different, you know, overall majority outlook over here. So I think all of us in California too, we just don't understand like, you know, mentality in other parts of the country. Yeah. So it was kind of like, okay, let's just have another drink and see what happens. Right. It's like I'm in, you know, I'm in South Carolina, you know, so he he took South Carolina, but I live in Richland County, but Richland County is blue. So it's like all these rural areas mm-hmm. say, you know, they they are more supportive of him so yeah well and i think too and i think you point this out you know in in your books there's a bigger picture that a lot of people don't realize that despite what your beliefs are the bigger picture will affect everybody yeah 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 and not just us today but our you know our kids tomorrow you know the future Um, yeah just a lack of critical thinking you know thinking for yourselves just kind of taking a step back from just you know the greater yeah. good, in a sense, you know. Absolutely, yeah, and humanity, exactly. Yeah. I'm saying the Democrats are perfect or great, but hey, you know, right? The witch of the devil, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, yeah. no, exactly. I completely agree. And then, well, you know, and speaking of monsters, I just getting back to uh, your your book. You mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm mispronouncing this, but you call the the monsters in your book Janu. Yeah, Gino. Mm-hmm. Gino, okay. What is the that reference to? What is that name? It's, uh, it's I think it's a South African term. David can probably explain it to you a little bit more in detail, but uh, it's a South African term. But it's actually kind of made up. Okay. Two different words, basically. I think it has something to do with evil and hate, but it's like a made up word. But it's derived from two different languages. But I'm not exactly sure which ones at the moment. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, re- it reminded me of the. I think there's a like a mythological demon named the Jin. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think it's like in the Middle East area. So that's what it kind of reminded me of. So I wasn't sure if that was a, a complete made-up word or if it had historical significance. That's like the genie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. like the genie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it reminded me of. <laughs> yeah. I also read that Bitter Root has been optioned for a film, and that Black Panther director Ryan Coogler signed on to produce. Is that still happening? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. It was, I think that was announced in. Uh, 2018, I think we were actually at New York Comic Con when we finally got the news. We knew Legendary had optioned the property, mm-hmm. and they were just kind of tossing around different names about, you know, who would direct, 
the book, who would direct or who would produce. And they tossed out Ryan, Ryan Coogler's name. We kind of just laughed it off. It's like, oh, he'll be busy. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, no way we'll get him. And then we got the news in the Comic Con that he would come on and produce. Yeah, they are very excited about the property. Ryan actually reads the books and cares about the books and, and, and its content and staying true to the content. Legendary is still very supportive and they want to get it made. Just kind of, you know, waiting yeah. to see what happens, you know. Um, Mr. Rona kind of threw things off a bit. So we're just kind of waiting to see what happens. But the last I heard, they're still very motivated to make it happen. So awesome. Across. Yeah. Yeah. Will you uh, will you be involved at all in the process? Well, we're executive producers, and me, David Sanford, and I. I know I won't be writing the script. I think they actually found a screenwriter. Well, I thought, I guess that's all I can say. They found, we, found, we have a screenwriter on board. I'm not exactly sure what my involvement will be. I'm sure we'll be flying out there every now and again, but that's, all I really know, you know, honestly. Yeah. My involvement is just writing a comic. That's how I'm kind of focused on. <laughs> nice. Yeah. How many how many issues is right now our writing issue 13 right now. So, you know, so we're gonna just keep going and until we'll just we'll just see, you know. But there's definitely gonna be a third arc. Second arc came out October twenty first and um we're working on the third arc now. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of open-ended right now. You're just going to keep doing it as long as they, there's a demand for it. Yeah. Yeah. Just play it by ear. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And you, you have a connection to Black Panther as well. You worked on a couple issues. Is that correct? Yeah. It was actually, you know, when the movie first came out, the scene where he was on top of the Lexus, I basically did like a, a book with the custom comics division of Marvel based on that scene where, um, Black Panther kind of worked with Siri. It was kind of like almost like a commercial almost in a sense. But still, you know, I got to play with that character and write that character and I had to, you know, live the little, you know, checked off a, a checkbox my bucket list. So That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. What did that mean to you to be able to work on that? I mean, it's such a huge impact. I mean, I just, I just keep getting these unreal, unbelievable moments, you know, just to work on that character. Yeah. Even just for a few pages, you know, it was still really amazing. It was really um Living my dream is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, how did you get into comics? Like, how, what was your path to the comic book industry? Well, basically, just kicked my way into it, kicking it, kicking honestly. You know, I just wheeled myself into it. I started out with a self publishing from a, you know, I live, I live here in South Carolina and our area code was 803. So, in college, myself and a couple other guys that wanted to break into the industry, we started something called 803 Studios where we just self published our own work. That's kind of where it started. And I just self-published anthologies and my creator-owned projects just got the attention of the prof- professionals and did a lot of collaborations. And I worked with Sanford on a couple of things. And I think my first major thing was getting published at Dark Horse and uh, just kept building relationships, going to con, putting out much stuff as I possibly could and just, you know, not giving yeah. up, not giving up, honestly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What, what made you like, what, what made you want to become a comic book writer? Was there a specific comic book or artist that, that made you want to really get into it? I don't really remember, honestly. I just remember when I, I remember my, my first comic was an Avenger book. I think it was nice. uh, the Avengers versus the Lava Man or something like that. But, <laughs> um, I do remember when I was young, I used to create characters, give them names, origins, abilities, but I never really thought of myself as a writer. I just always something I love doing, and it just kind of was a part of me, you know. Um, yeah. A specific moment that I can think of. But Marvel was a big influence on me. Batman was a big influence on me. Black Panther comics was a big influence, and I just kind of just kept doing it until, like I said, I kind of fell into this crowd in yeah. college, and I started 
had these shared dreams and we just kind of hustled together. Awesome. And did you know, like when you first got into it, were you like, oh, I want to kind of create superheroes or fantasy? Or did, did you know that at the time that you wanted to use your platform for social justice? No, I just wanted to create comics and <laughs> um, and create characters that look like me. And, and honestly, just, you know, deal with my own issues. Honestly, you know, it was a little self-centered, honestly, just, you know, right. dealing with the kind of stuff I do. But I do. I knew deep down the things I'm dealing with in life that other breeders are dealing with too. You know, I yeah. wanted, I wanted to touch people, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was, a, I was a big fan of, I guess, the Simpsons growing up too, you know, and that show just one of those things that just eased my mind during my toughest times, you know, and mm-hmm. one of my work to do that for people, you know, to pick up my comic or to see something that I created on the television or, or on the theaters and just, you know, a little bit of escapism and a little bit of enlightenment as well, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Writing is so therapeutic, you know, yeah. it, can, it can really, it well, it transports people, you know, and I'm a writer as well. And that is, no, that's amazing that you said that because I feel the same way. I think that books and whether it be novels or comic books should be escapism, you know, to kind of, there still can be a message and, and to, you know, share your views, but it's definitely um, a fun escape to get lost in a story. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I also want to talk about your new Kickstarter campaign for Short Complex. Mm-hmm. So it's a collection of short stories set in the genres of sci-fi, horror, and action. But you also cover some really real topics in it, like mental illness, politics, racial inequality. Are these stories part of the Bitterroot universe, or is this an entirely new world and concept? Well, this is probably the new world and concept. The only thing it is tied to, one of the short stories is tied to the On the Stump universe. Okay. But the other ones are basically all totally different, you know, unique creations that I've been dreaming up for a while, you know. I've always been a huge fan of sci-fi. I have all these ideas that I want to get out into the world, and these kind of short stories are just glimpses into these tiny different universes that are somewhat subtly connected together you know in a sense oh they are okay i was gonna ask that if they're connected or not yeah yeah there's, 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 yeah they are connected you know in a sense yes um but it's nothing that it wouldn't it wouldn't jump out at you when you first read it but, but hopefully you'll you'll see the clues as as you kind of go through the stories okay yeah like the little easter eggs right 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 awesome and so the kickstarter is is it did just start right is it's open and available now yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, we're actually we started on November, no October thirtieth, I think it was, and we're not one hundred percent funded. I think we're one hundred and ten percent, I think now. But I have a lot of huge, you know, add-ons and stretch goals I have in mind. So just please go to shortcomplex.com and click on the Kickstarter link, and you know, check us out and pledge and share. Awesome. Yeah. What are like? What are some of the cool like rewards that backers can can choose from? Well, one of the um, well, of course, the you get the the Kickstarter. I mean, the um, the short complex um book itself, and you get three trading cards. We have a short complex variant cover with the three trading cards as well. We have um on the stump bundle where you get a signed copy of the on the stump trade volume one trade, and you get the of course short complex. And we have a bitter root bundle where you get volume one and volume two a bitter root signed. And um, a book, the short complex book, and I actually released three stretch covers, three sketch covers of Sanford Green, oh, wow. uh, a variant trade today. But those are already sold out already. But I'm, I'm nice. going to be, but I will be doing 
some more. Hopefully be doing some more stretch covers by the end of the month. But it'll also be a limited number. Um, but it'll be for um, on the stump stretch cover. But it'll also be done by Sanford Green as well. Oh, cool. That yeah. sounds really fun. Yeah, I went and checked it out and it looks it looks really interesting. And and this is is this a collaboration, you said, or is this completely on your own? No, this is completely on my own, but I'm working with a lot of talented different artists and editors and graphic designers. So I mean it's you know, stories that I've written solo, but mm-hmm. I'm with a lot of great people to help bring it to life. Of course, all the of course to all the people that have played so far, you know, I'm very grateful to that as well. Awesome. And then as far as on the stump goes, how many issues um, do you have planned for that one? Is that continuous? No, actually, unfortunately, it isn't. There's there's more of a story um, there. But, you know, issue one was released in um, January of, of this year. So pandemic kind of hit right after that, which I don't I'm not blaming that all on the sales. But the sales weren't that great after that because everything kind of shut down for a bit. Mm-hmm. And so at the moment, there's only you know volume one of on the stump there's definitely more story to tell and some of that story will be in in the short complex story and that and that story is actually called stranger days and that's about basically this secret service agent that kind of goes undercover to root out corruption in stump fighting in a sense and and this is his story outside of the comic but also in the same comic universe Oh, cool. Do you have um, a lot of stories planned as far as for like side characters, like in your different series, like from Bitterroot or from On the Stump? Like, do you have that already kind of in your head? I know like as a writer, we get all these plot bunnies and we're like, oh, I want to do this story. Do you have that planned out yet? Not at the moment, just that Stranger Day story for for, um, Short Complex. But I have another concept called Flawed where there's a, I'm developing a comic called Flawed, but also there's a short story um, called Flawed as well. Again, two different characters, cast of characters, but same, same, basically same world, you know, the Flawed, yeah. you might say. So yeah. Same universe. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. When you're writing, do you find it easier or harder to write your own original material versus like writing something that's already a universe that exists like black panther not really you know there's there aren't been so many stories to tell you know there's a there's a hero's journey you know mm-hmm. um, there's a villain's journey there's you know there's the badass chick that, that, that fights or whatever but i don't really have too much story i'm not too much issues worrying about you know creating something that's already out there i just kind of feel like you know my own unique experiences i just kind of focus on that it's kind of go from there, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What What's your process like as far as when you get an idea, when you're developing your story, are you an outliner or are you a, a pantser where you just kind of make it up as you go along? Well, I'm kind of a pantser, honestly. Um, a little bit of both, honestly, but I'm a little bit more of a pantser. You know, I know when working with David, it's hard to be a pantser, you know, mm-hmm. we have to kind of coordinate a little bit, you know, as we kind of do a real detailed outline, you know, and we tighten up the outline and then kind of go to script from there. Most of my brainstorming is kind of off the top of my head and I kind of jot it down here and there, maybe on a sticky note or Mm -hmm. notebook paper. But um, once I get all those ideas down, you know, then I kind of start trying to, you know, formulate those ideas, you know, get the, get the outline going, tighten up the outline and then start writing the script and kind of, at least figure out how the book ends or how the story ends so I can won't lose my way as I start writing, you know? 
Yeah, I know that's a good point where you can, the, the middle part can, the details can kind of change, but it's, it's always good to have that end goal in mind. Right, right. Yeah. And so when you collaborate with, with other people, is that something you do well with? Like, do you, do you enjoy co-writing or co-working on something with another artist? It's definitely, um, well, with, with another writer, it's definitely challenging. You know, um, we both have our own ideas about how the story should flow and go. But once you get those brainstorming sessions, those can be very fulfilling and fun. You know, once you really get down to the nitty gritty of kind of, you know, developing the story. But like I said, we we have different, you know, I may have a different process than some artists and some writers where, you know, like you said, sometimes I'm a, I'm a pantser and sometimes I, I like to, you know, mm-hmm. focus on the outline and, and, and get things tight. But I'm, I'm a bit all over the place. So when it comes to collaborating, that can be challenging, but um, not not difficult, you know, if that makes sense. You know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting when you blend two, two people's perspectives together and sometimes it can work really well and other times it doesn't, but you've been fortunate enough, I think, to have worked with people that you gel with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also just kind of getting back to Bitterroot again, because I'm really fascinated by this comic you have a character name is johnny ray am i getting that right and he seems to sort of represent the growth that people are capable of is that his purpose in the in the series yeah absolutely it's um you know it's just an examination of looking through someone else's eyes in a sense you know he johnny ray basically was you know we first see him you know with the clan about you know with people about the lynch a black man you know Mm -hmm. and everyone around him start turning into these, these Gino, these monsters, you know, and he doesn't. And basically Ford explains that, you know, you're not all the way tainted yet, you know, in a sense, your soul isn't lost yet, you know, and that kind of sparked his curiosity and wants to know more about it. So that's why he kind of follows Ford and travels with him and try to understand what just happened to all the people he grew up with around him, you know? And, um, yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is an examination of, you know, can people truly change? You know, they can and are they willing to? You know, it's all about what you're willing to do. You know, I think we all want to believe. I know deep down, I want to believe that people can change and people can do better. And I think that's what kind of what Johnny Ray represents, at least to me. Yeah. And, I, and also, I don't want to do any spoilers, but, you know, he's, you know, in, in traditional movies, there's always that one, you know, black character. That's always, you know, the 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 sidekick of of the main of the main hero. So that's kind of what Johnny Ray also represents as well. You know, that's kind of a little bit of a reversal there. You know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. like redemption. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. One of the I always liked characters that have more that are multi layered. You know, like you were saying earlier about villains who actually have you know a motivation or are not just a villain for the sake of being. A villain. I always say that villains think they're the heroes of their own stories. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. How important is that to you to make sure that every single character, whether they have you know a main part or one line, is multi-layered? Oh, that's very important. I want you know comics. You know, it's only twenty-two pages. You know, right? And mm-hmm. right, there's only so many words in it, and so much real estate to work with. So when I put a, a character in a book, I want to make sure they matter. You know, I want to make sure that character has a purpose or is sending a mission or message or means something to the book or helps things along. So it's definitely something I'm conscious of when I'm 
when I'm writing a comic or writing anything, honestly, I want to make sure that character has layers and has a purpose and has a meaning, you know, even if that, you know, mm-hmm. isn't always, you know, relevant at first, you know? Right. Do you, do you have like a, like a story Bible where you keep character backstories and deleted scenes and things like that? Um, I do. I, well, more, it's more like a character descriptions, you know? And it's something that honestly develops over time, honestly. You know, sometimes as I write the script or I, or I'm having a conversation with David or Sanford or, or, or Prezi about something, you know, these characters breathe more life, more more life is breathed into these characters. You know, they they grow just like anyone else as you write them and as you put it out into the world. You know, I've, I've written characters and, and put books out and people will see things that I'd never even realized I was putting into the story, wow. you know. I think you know one of the things about Bitterroot and On the Stomp is that we have these essays in the back of the book, and someone basically did an observation of you know how I ha- always had the characters eating and on the stump, you know, mm-hmm. and and my original motivation with that was about my own relationship with food, and I guess the nation's relationship with food, honestly, but I can't remember exactly what she wrote at the moment, but. The way she examined how I used food in the story was just absolutely blew my mind about how she saw things that I never even imagined in the story. And that oh. adds more to this world. You know, it, it once you put a story out there, it, I, I, I believe it kind of evolves on its own, you know, because the fans and the readers, they they add to it as well. And what they what they read into it and and and, and how much they care about it, it kind of be, mm-hmm. be, yeah, and they develop their own theories and stuff. It evolves to a life of its own, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, it was almost like you subconsciously put something in that everybody else picked up on. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of, so your relationship to food, because I believe that's also can be somewhat of a political and social issue. What kinds of, of things do you, do you have thoughts about that and, and how it was portrayed in, in your, in your mind and how you sort of conveyed that in, in the series? Um, basically, you know, there's, you know, constantly consuming, you know, we, as Americans, we constantly consume, you know, mm-hmm. and I think part of the, the issue with the coronavirus with America is that, you know, we feel the need to go out and, you know, this, this illusion of freedom and, the illusion that we have to be out there to, to restart the economy, you know, and mm-hmm. people don't really, some people just don't care that, you know, our lives are at stake, you know, that we have to go out there and consume or people have to be out there and, you know, and, and serve and serve us and, 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 and keep the economy going, you know, in my personal relationship with food is that, you know, that's, you know, I don't smoke, but it's like that, that would be my cigarettes. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, when I'm stressed, I may eat, you know, and that's kind of what the characters were doing in this in this in this book. But one interesting thing was that a friend of mine told me that I didn't even think about. It. He was like, "They're always fighting, so they must be burning a lot of calories." And I was like, <laughs> "I'm like, damn, that's a that's a really good point." Yeah, you know. So again, they're reading things into this that I had never even imagined myself, but which totally makes sense, you know. Yeah, no, I would never have thought about it that way either, but that's true <laughs> if they're constantly being active. Um, right. Yeah, no, you made a good point, though. I do. I do agree. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of levels of privilege. And I mm-hmm. feel like, I mean, we've really, it feels like forever, right? Because this is something that's very strange and different for, for us in our current society. Mm-hmm. But it's really only been since March. And I think, yeah, it's, people are getting a little stir crazy and 
I, I don't really understand it. I'm fine with being at home and, mm-hmm. you know, keeping keeping myself safe. I don't need to go to a restaurant. I didn't yeah. really go to many beforehand, to be honest. <laughs> but, but yeah, there, there's I'm, definitely... I'm an introvert, so you know I don't I don't mind staying home all the time. So you know, but some but you know to be honest, some people you know they need other people, and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, I guess it's easier on some than others. I guess you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, the other issue too, I think, with food is there is there's this thing where if if you can't afford organic food. You know, you're going to buy food that's not good for you. And when they talk about, you know, the food issues in this country, what they don't, what they fail to mention is that to eat healthy a lot of times is is very expensive and a lot of people can't afford it. So there is that, you know, side too, as far as how we keep ourselves healthy and that, that disparity, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really want to ask you as well about an important you know, element of the series is that all these horrors that are happening are basically caused by humanity doing it to ourselves, which we've been talking about in real time as well. Do you think humanity will be the cause for its undoing? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, if, you know, yes. I mean, I think, I think, you know, our own selfish nature, you know, our own divisiveness, you know, may one day be our undoing, you know, I honestly, I mean, I hope not, you know, I have Mm -hmm. have kids and I hope there's a better future. And that's all that all of us can do is to avoid that, you know, to keep Mm -hmm. that from keeping us from being our own undoing, you know, but then again, you know, like this, this virus, you know, this isn't, you know, it's, you know, it could have been controlled if, if basically, you know, we, you know, we basically stay home and, you know, try Mm -hmm. to, care about it and wear the mask and care about everyone else, you know, but that, and that was people, you know, not wanting to, you know, listen and, and do the right thing and, and listening to lies, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's on us. Now that's on us. You know, the virus may be, you know, Corona, I think, you know, that's this kind of virus can always maybe existed in the world or whatever, but you know, the fact that we can't get it under control, that's, that's on us and our, I guess our, our illusion of freedom, you know, and, and us not, and people being sheep, not listening to, you know, the science and, and what needs to be done to take care of ourselves and others. So, yeah. Yeah. Have in, in your process of, of writing and publishing your works and, and because of the themes that you tackle and the issues you tackle, which some people, you know, still aren't ready to quite <laughs> deal with and talk about, have mm-hmm. you have you lost any supposed friends over it or have you or have certain people surprised you? I hadn't had a whole lot of friends in the beginning with Donald to have a small circle. Not my books. No, it was honestly, it was just, it was honestly the the presidential election of 2016 that a few of those acquaintances kind of surprised me, you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of close to them, but I, wasn't, I wasn't really expecting that, you yeah. know, that's it, you know, I may not have been expecting it, but then again, I wasn't too surprised, you know, um, right. I'm always kind of, you know, cautious. Yeah. Cautious of people and, you know, not very trusting. But yeah, I was more the election than my work, honestly, that surprised me. People, as far as my work is concerned, or, or Bitterroot in particular, I mean, I'm I'm just blown away about the amount of support and people that love this book and like this book. We've had people say things to us here or there, maybe at a con or something, but, you know, nothing major or nothing I cared about, I guess. <laughs> I say, so. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's good. No, it's a fantastic series. I've just started reading it, so I, I can't get too too into it because I don't want any spoilers, right? One or two. Yeah. <laughs> Are you on volume one or two? I'm on volume one. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. And the artwork is beautiful as well. I'm I'm a, such a sucker for visuals, you know. So that that's that's, that's very vivid and visceral and yeah, it's just well put together and it hooks you right away. Like you just, you know, right away you get into it. So yeah. And then I, I also just wanted to ask with you made the point in in one of the issues, and I'm I'm quoting this because I've I've researched it that everyone is fighting the same evil just under different names, which I think is very poignant. Is this a reference to the idea that combating hate should not be the responsibility of just one group or identity? That you know it, it takes everyone's responsibility. Well, one hundred percent. It's about you know division and divisiveness you know we're all dealing with the same thing we're all affected by the same thing you know hate affects us all some people may not want to acknowledge that hate but right. it exists. but um you hit the nail on the head it's basically about division and we're only gonna conquer not just hate but hate poverty war we're only gonna conquer that stuff we all just gonna get on the same page you know and yeah just, just give a damn you know and stop fighting them amongst each other and start fighting I guess the real evil, you might say, you know. Yeah, which yeah. is which is like greed, really, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Which leads to all the other, yeah, the issues. Mm. No, I think that's really important, and I'm glad that you're tackling these issues in your books because people need to read it, and you know, and I'm hoping that it it reaches people that maybe wouldn't normally pick it up, you know. Absolutely, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, finally, I just one last question I want to ask you because I love to ask this of all writers. What advice would you give to someone like yourself, like someone who was once uh, not involved in the industry but just really wanted to break in but didn't know how? What would be your advice to young comic book writers? Um, just a couple of points. Um, first, perfect your craft. Be honest with yourself and your your strengths and your weaknesses. And just do it, you know. Let's be honest with yourself, perfect your craft, write, read. Don't just read comics, read novels as well. Read different articles and just put it out there. If you're if you're a writer, if you want to be a comic book writer, you're going to have to make comics, you know. Collaborate with some awesome, talented artists and, you know, start by putting your own stuff out there, you know. Or I'll collaborate with people that had the same dreams as you and don't give up. Awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah no that's great thank you thank you so much for taking the time I know we're in you know challenging times right now and uh, it's also been a nice distraction though to not be glued to the TV for an hour absolutely, absolutely. I'm gonna click on you know the news as soon as we get off here but yeah but <laughs> oh me too yeah <laughs> it was nice talking to you and just taking a break from there even though we did talk about politics a little bit but still it was nice just taking a break from that and taking a step back from that and, and to everyone you know listening you know take a you know it's okay it's it's important to be informed but also you know don't don't kill yourself and don't torture yourself. Take a step back from yeah, it. Absolutely. <laughs> Have some practice self-care and get some rest, drink lots of water. And <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, no, thank you so much. Please come back anytime. I, would love to have you back on to talk about anything that's, you know, coming up in the future or that we can talk about when your Kickstarter is done. I'd love to have you back on. Yeah. Everyone, please go check out uh, Short Complex, the Kickstarter 
com short complex and also check out uh, better root and on the stump as well i'm really excited to to get into both so again thank you so much for being on tonight thank you so much for inviting me awesome well you have a wonderful night you too take care thank you take care bye-bye And we're back. Well, that was fun. That was fun, man. Melissa did a great job. Yeah, she did. She's uh, coming on strong, helping us out with yeah, all man. these interviews. It's kind of crazy. How, the amount of interviews that we have is nuts. Dude, we have interviews scheduled to release daily through middle of January. Plus, we've got more interviews scheduled to do, which is going to put us... If we didn't do any interviews after for the holiday break or forward, never did any interview again, we'd still have episodes coming out daily until like, you know, middle of February. <laughs> it's crazy. That's nuts. That's nuts. Were you familiar with Chuck Brown's work before this this interview? Um, I have I had heard of Bitter Root. I had not read it. I still I still have not read it, but I do want to read it now. Um, but yeah. I was not. But now I'm very well because I, I did some research on him um prior to us when I was making the post for this. Right. Uh, and it's it's got a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, I'll have to go out and check it out because I had not heard about him. And it's weird because the comic book realm is, even though that everybody can kind of do their own thing, it's still a very small community, you know? So it's very easy, once you, especially once you start talking to people, they hear about other people. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, it's a small community, but there's also a lot of people out there. There's a lot. Right there's a lot. That's what I was getting at. It's just, It feels like a small community, uh, but I don't know. It's There is a lot. And... Yeah, this is the first time I had a pleasure of knowing who this guy is. And luckily, Jeff is very much on the pulse of everything comic book. Yeah. Especially like <laughs> up to date stuff. Like I'm very right. much an 80s, 70s and 80s guy. Right. You know, with some things in the 90s and some things, in, you know, and then some of the stuff in the 2000s and, and, and the, the aughts, as they say, and currently, but not to the way Jeff is. Jeff is like finger pulse on it. And, you know, when well it comes to, yeah. And to be honest, he comes up with a lot of the guests that we get when it comes to that things. We go, let's we, interview this one. He's like, yeah, all right, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> right. And like, we, we give people on the show, like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know this name. Wait, no, I know. I know that book, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's usually what happens. Like, I don't recognize that name. And then I look him up. I'm like, oh, my God, how do I not know who this is? <laughs> well, that oh, was man, a lot of so fun. Much fun. I hope everybody enjoyed that. I know I did. Uh, if you did enjoy it then you're, and you're still here, that means you did like what you heard. And yeah. if you want to go back and hear more, maybe you want to hear more with just Melissa, or maybe you want to hear more with just John and I or Casey or Jeff, they're all right there at spoilerverse.com. And there's a ton of interviews, a, a ton of shows that are not interview centric, that they're just John and I shooting the shit about things, life. Everything else. A lot of, uh, we're going to do more of those too because uh, I, I miss those, man. I miss the our shooting the shit episodes. They're pretty fun. It, yeah. That's what built this show. It is. That's a that's the groundwork of our episodes, man. It's all right, the shooting man. the shit. That's the but, cornerstone. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's what I was I was trying to think of that word. I said I said groundwork. No, it's the cornerstone of the show. Yes. yes yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So if you want to hear that more and you want to check out more that we have to offer, go to spoilerverse.com. Everything on that site when it comes to shows, podcasts, articles, um, unique stories, all that kind of fun stuff. It's all right there. 
There's no paywall. You know, you just have fun and uh, enjoy yourself because it's all free. No paywall yet. Yeah, yet. There might be Someday. one. Down, I mean, there probably never will be a paywall, but just in case, we'll say yet to make it sound like we're going to have one. Right. So you get excited, but right. probably not. But we do need to have uh, yeah, more ads because I'm sorry. We got to pay for the stuff somehow. I know. And if you want to help pay for stuff, you can do two ways. You can go to patreon.com slash spoiler country. And we have a, we have Patreon that, you know, is, is great. Uh, we aren't the best <laughs> about actually putting stuff there, but if you want to give us money, to Patreon, you can. We got some ideas of how to revamp yeah. Patreon and, and maybe that'll come around. But or if, or, yeah. or if you want to join the team and, and manage our Patreon account for us, you know, hit, hit us up, man. Get that contact <laughs> on the website, spoilers.com. Let us know. <laughs> oh, all the money launderers are coming out. Right, right. But you also <laughs> go to you can also go to this website, Flivers.com, hit, hit that store link and go yep. buy a t-shirt, a face mask, a hoodie, look fly as hell, help support the site and everything that we do there. Uh, just by give, getting yourself something cool. Do the kids nowadays use fly as hell? Is that a thing? I don't know, but I like that it. That feels very nineties. It does fly. Uh, you look 90s. fly. Fly as hell, man. I don't know. It, it stuck in my head one time. I just kept it. And I just, it just, it's part of my, 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 my speaking. It's now. your stick. It's your spiel. It's my spiel. It's I my love stick. that word spiel, spiel and stick. They just kind of go hand in hand. Right. They're kind of funny. They're kind of funny. Anyways. I guess one more thing before we end this though, is you should also <laughs> go to scpod.us slash discord and join our public discord service. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Actually. It's a lot of fun. You should definitely yeah. do that. Yeah, we should do some more live events on Discord. Yeah, we should. And then I think we're going to start using Facebook more as well. I, we got plans for stuff. We just got to, got to. You're getting settled now, which is awesome. So we, we can got get more stuff. stuff. I know. I, I, I need, I need concrete work done. If I can get some concrete work done, uh, getting my own little slice of heaven would be that much more faster. I mean, I have nephews that can do this kind of work, but getting them to come and do it is uh, is always the challenge. Right. I, was, I, was, I know a guy who has concrete. Yeah, I know a guy. That's yeah. We both <laughs> know the same guy. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> both know the same. Your brother-in-law, yeah. my nephew. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. All right, guys. I think that's a show. That's a show. And before we go, as always, notions of podcasts. We are Cthulhu. Cthulhu compels you to do. Open the mind. Oh, it wasn't as, as, as much as usual. Open the mind. There you go. <laughs>